can't get enough eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen and I'm back, baby. Uh, I'm back, guys. Hey. Lubba, lubba, dub, dub. Yay. I'm back. Welcome back, David. Uh, and I'm really excited to be here with... Devendra Hardwar. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, he's the editor-in-chief of SlashFilm.com. He's also the host of Slash Film Daily, Peter Serretta. Welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Peter, how are you doing today? I am ex- so excited to be here for this episode. Like I've been waiting all year for this, and actually now, <laughs> I, now that it's come, I don't know what to do with myself. Indeed, yeah, you you've were... been waiting for this more than the movie itself, right, Peter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Peter was really upset that you left the show for a while, Dave. Uh, he's been waiting for you to come back. Oh, <laughs> oh the movie you were oh, excited the about? Movie. Oh, the movie, Peter. Okay. Um, well, anyway, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. And today... What we're going to be doing is discussing Star Wars The Last Jedi. That's all we're going to be talking about because there is so much to discuss. But before we get to that, I want to mention just a couple things. First of all, Peter Serretta, you've been hosting Slash Film Daily, and we should give it a plug, right? Uh, Slash Film Daily, what is this show? Tell tell me what this, this podcast that Slash Film is that you speak of. It is published daily on SlashFilm.com. Uh, you can get it on iTunes and all the popular podcast apps. Uh, basically, we cover that day's news for movies, TV, general pop culture. And we, uh, unlike, uh, I think, a lot of shows out there that have you know, commentary and that kind of stuff, we, we have the actual people from SlashFilm.com that write the stories and do the research and uh, you know have extensive knowledge and all this. Come on and talk about it and discuss it. And uh, we also do do uh, fun things like top tens and mailbags and all sorts of uh, interesting things like uh, today on the podcast, which I guess this is publishing a week from when I'm talking or whenever <laughs> uh, we, we had a clip from my interview with Ryan Johnson, where I talked to him about uh, his new Star Wars trilogy and uh, and more. So you can you can get cool little tidbits like that on the yeah, podcast. And I think you can find it daily dot slash film dot com, right? Correct. Yeah. I have a question for you, Peter. Yes. How how you holding up with that daily content? Oh, it's 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 not easy. <laughs> it's, it's intense, uh, right? I, I do a daily show as well. It's uh it's not easy. Yeah, it's but yours easy. Jeff, yours how long is yours? Like five minutes, right? Or something like that? It's ten minutes, ten minutes. and Peter's like a full, yeah, full Peter does like a full like thirty <laughs> minute show, forty yeah. minute yeah. show. That's insane. And uh I'll I'll say this much, uh not not to uh pat you on the back, Dave. Or any of you guys, actually. I've been listening to you guys since Dave has been, you know, gone. Uh, you guys make it sound easy hosting a podcast. Not not to say I thought it was easy, <laughs> but it is much harder. Like, I know many people out there are listening to this now and probably think it's just like, 
a bunch of guys having a conversation, but it's it's so hard to like move things along and segue and introduce. I don't know. I I just have so much appreciation for what you guys do. Well, you have ramped up into that skill set very, very well, uh-huh. Mr. Soretta. I'm I'm impressed that you took on such an ambitious project and you've uh, succeeded with such a plum. Yeah, I enjoy the show. You can find it at daily.slashfilm.com. Now, uh, you know, I've been gone for the last couple months, and uh, the first thing I wanted to say to you guys is thank you very much. Uh, I, I just really appreciate Jeff and Devendra taking the reins while I was gone. Like, it's not not every... Uh, podcast has folks that are super talented at hosting and and uh, substituting, and I just am so grateful for you guys tackling this uh, while I was gone, allowing me to step away and gather my thoughts on things. I really appreciate it. Also, want to thank all the awesome guests we had on, especially Christy, uh, I think who was on three times, which is like the yep. MVP of the of the guests while we were <laughs> gone. Uh, and uh, it's great to have her on the show, and, and I expect uh, uh, to have her on in the future when I will be around, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Um, and so just wanted to th- say thank you. You guys are awesome. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's no problem, Dave. I'm reminded of that Simpsons episode where Marge goes to the spa, and she comes back, and everyone's like, please don't go, please don't go. Stay, stay. <laughs> it really helps. Well, you know, guys, I do have uh, some reactions to things in the last couple months, and you, you know, I don't want to do a you know, 50 minute long what we've been watching. So I'm just going to say the following. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the ending of the Florida Project. Blind people should be allowed to experience movies. Brawl in Cell Block 99 was weak schlock. Thor Ragnarok was only okay. Lady Bird is one of the best films of the year. I, Tanya is spectacular. And I am so extremely glad I did not have to go see Justice League like you guys. So, <laughs> I think that basically catches us up. Wow, right? Dave... <laughs> Did you know that you could do the show in like two and a half minutes? <laughs> I, did, I just realized it. I just realized it's it. also uh, like hours of arguments from that. So good job. <laughs> well, uh, again, uh, so glad you guys were able to, to take over for me and host, and I'm glad to be back. So why don't we dive into our review of Star Wars The Last Jedi? When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Something inside me has always been there. Then I was awake. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. That was from the trailer of Star Wars The Last Jedi, the newest film in the Star Wars Skywalker saga. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Uh, and it is a very vague plot summary. So here and we go. Dave, you should you should reiterate the fact that in this portion of the show, we are going to be very particular not to spoil anything. So if there's a chance that you want to listen to this and you haven't had your screening yet, 
you are safe at least until we designate spoiler section beginning. That's right. That's right. Uh, you you can safely listen to our overall thoughts. We will we will not divulge any plot details whatsoever. This is basically the opposite of your warning for our split episode, Jeff, where you told everyone <laughs> to turn it off. This is like we're going to be very vague. Keep it on. We're going to give general <laughs> thoughts, and then we're going to dive into spoilers. Which, spoilers, which is going to be the majority of this episode. So, uh, from IMDb, uh, having taken her first steps into the Jedi world, Ray joins Luke Skywalker on an adventure with Leia, Finn, and Poe that unlocks mysteries of the Force and secrets of the past. So, before we dive into the show, uh, Jeff Kanata, you, you know, I wrote an article for SlashFilm.com that was actually basically just targeted at you. I don't know if you saw it. But it was about how <laughs> I avoided every single trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi before I, I stepped into the movie theater. You're welcome, Dave. Well, I don't, I don't think it was because of you, but um, <laughs> but I did write the article, you know, in some ways inspired by you, just because uh, I'm guessing this is a, a movie that you've avoided all the trailers for as well, right? Indeed, indeed, I have. And this yeah. one was a tough one, Jeff. It, this is a tough one to avoid all the trailers for. <laughs> I think, honestly, I think it was harder to avoid The Force Awakens than it was this. I think The Force oh, yeah. Awakens was more blanketed, more people posted it, like, in the context of tweets you know, uh, I think this one, this one, literally the only thing that I saw going in was an image of the Porg. The Porg. The Porg was inescapable. Everywhere. Yeah. 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 But that um, was really the only thing. That and the red, there's like a red guard costume yeah. that I saw beforehand. But those are literally the only two images that I saw before I went into this movie, which I, yeah. I thought pretty good, pretty good, actually. Uh, you know, I actually found people like us, Jeff, when I went to see it was I think it was Blade Runner. I went to see it at the Seattle Cinerama and the trailer for The Last Jedi came on screen and I walked right out of the theater because I didn't want to do the closing your eyes and plugging your ears <laughs> thing. I just walked straight out of the theater and I found like two to three other dudes out was, there. was it like a fenced-off group, just like no spoilers, Corner? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like how smokers are now. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> smokers, uh, a.k.a. non-trailer consumers. You guys yeah. have a problem. Yeah, uh, yeah like we were out there like, and shunned from mains of society. Dave, Dave, and just... Dave this, is, this is so sad. This is, I, 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 I feel bad. There was a uh, – and I remember him talking about it. He's like, yeah, you know – uh, I started hearing that Star Wars music, and then he like kind of looked off wistfully into the middle distance, like <laughs> you know that, that that's the cue, like we gotta go because I can't watch any of this. Uh, all that said, we are legion, David. We are legion. There are we, we live. A, we we live among you. You don't know the Muggles <laughs> walk freely. You don't know. We're, we're, can, can I say, guys? I, I have seen all the trailers. I'm sure uh, Peter has as well. Uh, they they spoiled nothing. They were very smart. Uh, I appreciate having that year of joy in my life. Rather than <laughs> <avoiding> <laughs> Actually, on, on top of spoiling nothing, I talked to Ryan Johnson about this. You can you can read that on SlashFilm.com. They actively misdirected. Yes. And, yeah, that was yeah, kind of was, brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this about uh, the trailers. You know, after uh, I watch the movie, I go home and I watch all the trailers because I love watching trailers. I just don't like watching them before I see the movie. And I watch all the trailers, and I kind of give the the movie a grade as to how like how well how much it spoiled things. And I would give this a uh, B plus in terms of not spoiling things. I thought you're right; like none of the plot is revealed, other than the Luke and Ray stuff, which you kind of already know from the end of the first film, uh, Force Awakens. Uh, it does show some third act stuff, though. It does show like scenes and, and moments from the third act. But yeah, in general, uh, the trailers did a pretty good job of hiding things. Uh, that said. Jeff and I, uh, I think, can can say 
pretty pretty uh, strongly that we're glad that we avoided the trailers. We have no regrets, right, Jeff? That's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. All right. And by the way, I want to say this because I know that you guys have talked about seeing the trailers after you see the movie. That's a totally different experience. It's almost like uh, <laughs> circular reasoning or I, I don't know what the term is for that when you go into like uh, an argument already having your your opinion. Do, do you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. w- when you see the trailer and you see that there's a moment from the third act, you know the context of that moment. But if you had seen that before seeing the movie it would be a totally different experience. All right, Peter. Agree to disagree. All that said, uh, you are the biggest Star Wars fan I know. And I think you got to go to the premiere of this film, right? Yeah, I got to go to the world premiere in uh, downtown Los Angeles. It was fantastic. Uh, I've been lucky to go to the last two. Fingers crossed I might be able to go to the the final, or I guess episode nine. should, should I give you my reaction? Yeah, give us your reaction. What do you think of Star Wars: Last Jedi? Um, you know, I left the theater speechless and shaken, uh, which is actually a weird thing to do to walk into like a world premiere party and like people are wanting to talk to you. And I, I just thought you were going to say I left the theater ten minutes in. I, I hated it so much. <laughs> no way. Um, but like the, the, this movie has so many. Like huge, holy shit, shocking turn of events, uh, you know, so much underlying emotion, uh, laughed out loud humor that was so unexpected. Uh, it's so ballsy, bonkers, sometimes weird, yeah. it's bold. It's uh, it feels like Ryan Johnson film. Uh, so many iconic shots, so much to chew on. So I, I need to see this film again. Uh, but I, I do have a couple issues, and I, I have a feeling I'm probably going to have more issues than you guys, which is strange. I don't know. I had a bunch of issues, too. But uh, overall, it sounds like you, you liked it. And Did you like it more than Force Awakens? Or where does this rank in terms of your your ranking of the Star Wars films? I liked it more than Rogue One, but I don't think I liked it more than Force Awakens. And we can talk wow. about that later, but I think uh, – this is a better and more competently made film than Force Awakens, but I don't think because of this is so plot heavy and twist heavy that this is going to be as rewatchable mm. as Force Awakens. Yeah, we should also wow. point out it is quite a long film. It's two and a half hours long. Uh, is it the longest Star Wars film? Right? It's yes. Like, it's yeah. up there, yeah. Uh, so Peter did not like it as, as much as Force Awakens. A lot of people are saying this is the best Star but, Wars film or the best Star Wars film since Empire. Jeff Kanata, what say you? I said, uh, I said the first one. Uh, it is the best Star Wars film, period. Wow. I think it's the best Star Wars film ever made. I think it is, uh, it, it is everything that I would want and more out of a, out of a Star Wars movie. It is the best shot Star Wars film, the best filmed Star Wars film. It has... And by the way, they did use actual film to, to shoot it, I believe. Um, so very old school. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is exquisitely shot. It, there are, there's nothing in any of the Star Wars movies, any of them, that is as well shot as the first 10 minutes of this movie. I mean, the, the, I think this movie starts with the best Star Wars sequence in the history of the Star Wars movies. And gets crazier from there. I, the opening sequence of this movie is – there's nothing like it in the Star Wars. There, there, I mean there are shots 
iconic shots. There are plenty of iconic shots from Star Wars. Listen, I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I mean, I, I live it, breathe it. My one-year-old son's room is Star Wars. Like, it, it, I, you know, the, I have love for these movies, but I think that if I try to dispassionately look at even my love for the original trilogy, this movie outpaces them at every, at, on every level. Um, there are, it, there are so many incredible filmic moments, uh, and that as I think something that a, a great director brings to this franchise and, and I, that's not to take away anything from some of the directors that have worked on, on the franchise, but none of them have, I think you have these incredible shots from empire, for example, with, you know, silhouetted Vader against and silhouetted Luke and, you know, uh, in that famous sword fight. And those, those are indelible images, right? There are. There are plenty of those in the Star Wars franchise, but I think this movie has more of them per minute than any of those. And they aren't all just contrived. They, they, they grow out of great writing and emotional beats as well. I was more emotional in this movie uh, than I have been in, in a Star Wars movie. Um, and a lot of that honestly has to do with the fact that Carrie Fisher is no longer with us. Uh, every time she's on screen, it, it is it was an emotional wallop for me but i think the movie itself is emotional the thrills are incredible the thing about the force awakens which i still i I still love that movie and i still i feel positively about it but it is undeniably a derivative work right it is it is a uh, a wonderful character piece it is a wonderful uh reinvestment into star wars and a revitalization of star wars after the prequels and J.J. did a lot of wonderful things in that movie, casting most notably and great creating great characters and great characters that I want to be with for multiple films. But plot wise, uh, world building wise, universe building wise, it is undeniably derivative. It is undeniably a. I think uh, that was the point, though. I think sure. Like- OK, but well, what is so wonderful about this movie is you have fresh ideas. You have. The things that I love about the original trilogy is every time we revisit the universe of Star Wars, we find out new things that are possible that we didn't know. We didn't know there was a big Sarlacc pit in the desert. We didn't know that there was this forest moon and they had speeder bikes. And like we didn't know AT-ATs existed on this ice world. It kept expanding and expanding and expanding. And at a certain point, it felt like – where that stopped happening. You know, the prequels actually Lucas did a great job of expanding and adding ideas to the world, but he was kind of recirculating the same old characters and you know, why is Boba Fett still hanging out, etc. And I found this movie to be full of fresh ideas, fresh imagery, uh, uh and but better than all of that. Like that's all just preamble to the fact that it gets Star Wars on a level that I don't think any of the movies since Jedi have done since the return of the Jedi have done. And that is understanding what it is that's special about this concept of the force and about light and dark and who people are and what it is to dream and all of the things that captured me as a little kid, this movie understands and elevates and expands upon it. It is I mean, we'll get to specific spoilers about stuff, but I, I was just so energized. I found myself bl- jumping up and down in my seat. Peter, I totally understand what you mean about leaving the, the theater 
hyperventilating and and shaking and i was i was crying throughout most of the movie like it is it's i was crying because of carrie fisher but also because of how good it was and how just how much it spoke to that little kid in me that dreamed about all this stuff and it, it it keeps one upping itself over and over there are sequences that i think are not as strong as others but overall this movie has so much in it and so so much of it is excellent uh i think far outstrips any of the previous star wars movies for me all right uh devinder hardwar when you watched Star Wars Last Jedi, you tweeted, think of your ideal Star Wars movie, the one you've always dreamed of, The Last Jedi is better than that. What did you yeah. mean by that? I think what I meant there was just it's going to surpass a lot of people's expectations. And I think it did so for me. I mean, y- you guys know we, we love Ryan Johnson over here. I remember seeing Brick and thinking this guy is going places. So I'm not at all surprised that he is helming you know, a big Star Wars movie. He has a whole other trilogy coming after this. Um, At the same time, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I love this film, Uh, but I think in some ways, like walking out of Force Awakens, I think I was maybe a little more moved with that one. And those are some things we're going to have to get into in uh, in the spoilers. Yeah, I think uh, mainly what really works in this film is the way Ryan Johnson handles the characters. Um, He's always good at character beats, always great with dialogue. Um, you know, the imagery that he imbues this film with is like nothing we've ever seen in the Star Wars universe. Specifically, there's like the way he uses red in this film. Uh, it's in all the posters and some of the trailers and stuff, too. But just kind of astounding, like a shock of color that we didn't really see much of throughout the rest of the trilogy. Like mm-hmm. maybe the neon in the the Empire set, I think, where they were having the, you know, the Luke and Vader fight. Darth, uh, Darth but- Maul's face as well. Yeah, yeah, Darth Maul's face, but it was never. This is very, very red. This is like bold. It's very. It feels very purposeful as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I think the imagery. There's some shots that we will definitely talk about that just feel iconic immediately, and things we've never seen in the series before. Uh, At the same time, I think the movie may be, as I think about it more, it may be a little too long. I think there's some B plot stuff going on that kind of backtracks and kind of loses its uh, momentum a little. Uh, but overall, like the the major plot, like the Ray plot, the Luke plot was all really well done. Um, yeah, I, I think he did a great job with this. There's just, you know, it's it's I think in some ways the Force Awakened moved me more, uh, probably because the way J.J. Abrams works. Right. He is great with set pieces. He is great with painting with broad strokes. And that really that really helps when it comes to setting up a world and giving us all these new characters. So this one kind of feels like a middle chapter to me. I really enjoyed it, but it didn't feel as like overall fulfilling to me as force awakens did. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. uh, I think, you know, this, well, the strength of the force awakens is when I watch JJ Abrams movies, I'm never bored. Like, right. He, yes, those movies exactly. move, man. Those He's movies a blockbuster. Move. Yeah. I mean, they, they just yeah. have a, all this momentum and energy to them. And I think like they are reverse engineered in a way that you can never, you know, be bored. You can never think to yourself, right. oh, I'm, I'm watching a movie and when, you know, when's this movie going to be over? He, he um, is like the ideal Michael Bray protege, basically. Like you're the successor, right? He's somebody who makes big blockbuster movies that are always exciting. Yeah. Um, and this movie is not like that. You know, I, I think yep. uh, the, the Last Jedi is a great film. It is a great Star Wars film. 
Uh, and I, I particularly love the themes of the movie, which I'm going to get into during the spoiler section. I think it's a movie that's very much uh, for our time. You know, it, it is a, it is yes. a lesson that we need right now in our culture right now, in my opinion. Um, and I can't even say what that lesson is unless I, unless I go into spoilers, so I'm not going to. But <laughs> uh, I, I love the messages that the movie's trying to send kids. And I love, like what you said, Jeff, that this movie is trying to restore Star Wars to its place of being that inspiration for filmmakers mm-hmm. like Ryan Johnson. You know, the, uh, yeah. of the, the ideas of this franchise have inspired so many people over the years uh, to get into film, to participate in, in the arts. This movie recognizes that and wants, yeah, wants to bring Star Wars back to its rightful place in people's hearts. The For- it's kind of helping to finish the work that The Force Awakens began in redeeming a series that had really... Um, lost a lot of people over the years, especially because mm-hmm. of the prequels. Uh, so all that said, uh, you know, while The Force Awakens, I think, is more entertaining, is, is, a, more, is a movie that I think is more broadly appealing, uh, I do think that The Last Jedi is a better film. Oh, yeah, uh, I agree. And, you know, it reminds me of this... Ta- Even I agree with that. Yeah, it, it reminds me of this, uh, this speech that... Uh, and this is a really random reference, but, you know, you get, <laughs> that's, that's what, you know, I bring to the show, guys. Um, in uh, season four of The West Wing. And uh, I don't know if you remember anything from season four of The West Wing, but there was this plot that, like, uh, uh, about this guy that was like a George W. Bush stand-in who was running against <laughs> Jed Bartlett. Yeah. And, uh, and there's this uh, moment when Josh, you know, the uh, deputy chief of staff, is, is talking about this George, Bush, uh, George W. Bush-esque character and, and this character's speeches. And he says the following quote. He says... Uh, what does this remind you of? I believe in hope, not fear. I'm a leader, not a politician. It's time for an American leader. Americans earned a change. I before E, except after C. It's the fortune cookie candidacy. These are important thinkers, and understanding them can be very useful, and it's not ever going to happen at a four-hour seminar. When the president's got an embassy surrounded in Haiti or a keyhole photograph of a heavy water reactor or any of the 50 life-and-death matters that walk across his desk every day, I don't know if he's thinking about Immanuel Kant or not. I doubt it, but if he does, I am comforted at least in my certainty that he is doing his best to reach for all of it and not just the McNuggets. And uh, so that's, that's the quote. So and good. I, and it's a great quote, and I think like I feel like J.J. Abrams' inspirations are, you know, Spielberg. Like Spielberg is probably mm-hmm. his biggest inspiration. Ryan Johnson's inspirations are like Akira Kurosawa. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. right. I, I feel like it's it, this movie is reaching for so much more than The Force Awakens did in terms of uh, the depth of its characters, in terms of what it's trying to say, not just about the franchise, but about our world. Uh, so I, I, I it's think hugely you, I, ambitious. I, I, it's very weird, and I don't mm-hmm. know if people will like it as much. I'm very curious. We're recording this on December 13th. I'm very curious what the public reaction is going to be. Dave, I so. think you've made a a rather brilliant analogy there with the Kurosawa versus Spielberg, right? Because Spielberg is uh, is uh, inspired by Kurosawa, right? And yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and Abrams is like in, it's it's once removed, right? And that's – I think that says it so well uh, that – I mean there's, it's fine to be inspired by Spielberg. Many of us are. Uh, but – And I'm painting, I'm painting with extremely broad strokes. I'm sure, sure like J.J. Sure, Abrams is also inspired by Kurosawa. But I feel sure. like it's more evident in Ryan Johnson's mm-hmm. work than it is in Abrams' work. You know? Certainly what he's going for in this film. Like there are, there are scenes that feel like they're from Kurosawa. Yeah, that, that are like directly you yes. know, mirrors of yeah. Kurosawa movies. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like – 
it's an illustrative point that you've made because it doesn't feel like an imitation of an imitation like mm-hmm. The Force Awakens does to me. And, yes. and that that sounds more derogatory than I mean it to, to sound because I really like The Force Awakens. But it's clearly trying to be something where The Last Jedi feels like it's just a, an original work. Right. Uh, Agreed. And, and that is what makes it so special and powerful for me. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of that comes down to the freedom Ryan Johnson had, right? Like they needed Force Awakens to be a hit, you know? Right. Well, they, yeah, they, they're the, not, the, the entire. Okay, go ahead. I was going to say they, they not only needed it to be a hit, but they're yeah. coming off the prequels and they needed people to feel like it was, you know, the original trilogy yeah. again. They needed and, like, surefire success, pretty much. But I don't even think it's just a success. I think, mm-hmm. you know, JJ was hired to recapture that magic of the originals, not create something, you know, decidedly new. And I think Ryan mm-hmm. is given. The, I'm not saying that JJ couldn't make this movie, but I'm saying I think Ryan was given, you know, an open canvas to be like, okay, now we can do whatever we want. But I will yeah. say this, I will say this, and maybe this is unfair, and maybe I'll regret saying it. I kind of hope I do regret saying it. <laughs> I my first thought as the credits rolled on this movie was episode nine can only be a letdown because <laughs> I don't I don't think JJ Abrams can make a movie this good. Hmm. I just don't think he's capable of it. I think I love J.J. Abrams movies. I really do. I'm a fan. But this is on a, an entirely different level. And, and I don't think that now that he – whatever that mandate was that you guys are implying he had uh, for, for episode seven, one would assume now the, now those gloves are off for episode nine. I don't think he brings us something mm-hmm. on the level that Ryan Johnson has because I don't think he's capable of it. That hmm. I mean that that's just uh, that feels like a rough supposition just because I've I've seen so much of Abrams work. I I know what he's capable of. It's a different level of work like uh you could think of Force Awakens and uh, Last Jedi as sort of the difference between uh you know A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, right? And Empire is clearly a more dramatic film. It wasn't made, you know, it wasn't directed by Lucas. And it has a very different feel to it. And I think we have that same transition, like from the pulpy feel to something that feels almost operatic here with this movie. But I don't think this movie feels at all like Empire Strikes Back. No, it doesn't. It feels more like Return of the Jedi. But yeah. we'll get to that. Um, I, I do want to say on that same note that this is the first Star Wars movie that I walked out of in a while that I wasn't kind of excited about what's next. And mm-hmm. it's not because J.J. Abrams is doing it. It's because this film kind of, almost ends do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if it, 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 without getting to the spoilers it's, but it feels satisfying kind of, on a level that and it kind of empire isn't <laughs> yeah it, it kind of answers the questions you want answered it kind of you know do you yeah, know what I mean? like it like yeah. bookends like and i i don't know what jj abrams is going to do because he's good at asking questions and creating characters and like he needs to close this trilogy and i don't know what well what one more assumes needs. that one assumes there was a three film arc established before you know, word one was written in episode seven. So one assumes that it, they all know where it's headed, but I, I agree with you that there was, there were like four moments where I thought, Oh, I, I guess we're heading into home here uh, with the, the, cause this seems like the cliffhanger moment that the empire cliffhanger moment where we're going to be left wanting episode nine. And it's like, no, 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 we got like 45 more minutes where we're going <laughs> to wrap some stuff up for you. So, but, and I love that about this movie. Like it feels like a complete experience and it is, it is long and it's not perfect. I do think there are, we'll get into specific sequences that I think aren't as strong as others, but I love this. Mo- this is the most complete star Wars experience 
I've had. Like, I can't, you wouldn't, I mean, it's hard to divorce yourself from like five year old you. Uh, and, and, and it, it's but, really but you hard. You think, like, on a score level, this has better music than the original trilogy? I mean, it, it doesn't exist in a vacuum without the original trilogy, right? right? right. Those, right. Yeah. But yeah. The, the music in this film is amazing. And there are moments when each character's theme rises. You know, like Ray's theme will come on, and I'm like, "Oh my!" Ray's theme is so different from anybody else's yep. in the history, and it, mm-hmm. and it is it it adds such beautiful counterpoint to what's happening on screen. I mean, the music in this movie is great, great, and so, which is crazy because it's like a 90 million year old man doing it. <laughs> it's crazy. I'll just say one last thing before we move to spoilers, which is that uh, it is insane that Ryan Johnson made a Star Wars, guys. <laughs> this is very insane. I mean, I'm still reeling from this fact. Yeah. They, uh, some people in the Slack film cast uh, put together like this. Uh, someone created an RSS feed of just Ryan Johnson episodes. Uh, dude's been on our podcast like half a dozen times. I remember the first time I met him. Uh, it was to interview him uh, for the Brothers Bloom at the Independent mm-hmm. Film Festival of Boston like a, almost a decade ago. And uh, w- actually, when did that movie come out? Yeah, almost a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, very humble guy, you know, very unassuming guy, very funny guy. Of course, he appeared on the podcast multiple times just to troll me, a task that he got far better at as the years went on. Uh, but it is just he, – he's like living the American – like the filmmaker's version of the American dream. To yep. go from making an indie film – I think the movie cost like $500,000, Brick did – to then, like, successively ramping up, making some breaking, some of the break, best Breaking Bad episodes ever, uh, and then getting to, you know, one of the, if not the biggest franchise on the planet, uh, it's quite an achievement, and it's amazing. It, and if now he's, he's going to I'm sorry, go ahead. He's going to spend the next 10 years of his life doing that, too. It's right? crazy. <laughs> right, right. Um, so- and, 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 and I interviewed him a week and a half ago. He's that same humble, nice guy. Like, he has not changed at all. And uh, when I interviewed him, I asked him, I was like, you know, is this going to be the next 10 years of your life? Is Are we are we going to get another Ryan Johnson original? And he was like, listen, you know, I, I have ideas and I want to do one of those ideas before we get into that. So hopefully I can still get these yeah. things happening. He, he so. could do the Nolan thing if he has time. Yeah, one, one for them, one for me kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I doubt he's listening to this, but uh, wanted to say congratulations to him for uh, this massive achievement. And we hope that... Uh, He'll be able to make an appearance in the show at some point in the future. But just wanted to acknowledge that this guy has made the journey from, uh, you know, Sundance Grand Jury winner to uh, one of the biggest, probably the biggest film of this year uh, from a mm-hmm. box office perspective. So that's just incredible to see. And uh, hopefully those of you who have been listening to this podcast for as long as we've been around have enjoyed being a tiny, tiny, tiny part of that journey or at least seeing snapshots of that journey as he went along. So. Mm-hmm. All that said, guys, uh, we are going to stop the broadcast fairly soon here because we're broadcasting live. But the movie is not out yet, so we don't want to broadcast spoilers into the ether. Uh, but wanted to thank people who've donated to the podcast in the last week. Arthur Wickoff and Lisa Hawthorne, thanks so much for your contributions. If you want to donate, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash filmcast. Uh, all the money you donate goes to help us defray the cost of uh, doing the show. And we really appreciate it. So thanks to uh, Arthur and Lisa for donating this week. Guys, let's get to spoilers for The Last Jedi. 
starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. So much to discuss. So yeah. much to discuss. <laughs> let's, let's start with some of the awesome things, okay? Some of the things we loved. And I will say this. There are some visuals in this film that are absolutely spectacular, transcendent. Mm-hmm. I, I, my jaw was open. I almost mm-hmm. cried at how beautiful some of this stuff was. I I'll did. Just, I'll just name two <laughs> off the bat. Two off the bat, right off the top of my head, okay? First of all, opening sequence with the bombers. Yes. Right? And yes. Uh, when... Yes. The, uh, What's Which, by the way, is more of a war action sequence than anything else in Star Wars history. It's a Star opinion. War. It's a real war scene. It has stakes. It has thrills. It, we fall in love with a character that we've, A, never met before and doesn't say a single word. Yes. Like, it's extraordinary filmmaking. It has it has just visual, just pure directing uh, shots in it that you've never seen in a Star Wars film before. Well, it, what's great I, is uh, it's transcendent. You can compare this to the opening sequence of Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, I think, mm-hmm. which also yep. starts with a space battle, and the the difference is night and day. I mean, like you said, Jeff, it has all those things. It, there's stages to this battle. You know, like you you sense yourself moving through the stage of this battle as it leads towards an inexorable conclusion. Um, and the visuals are laid out incredibly clearly. Like, like Revenge of the Sith Episode 3 is like all this garbage on screen flying at you. You don't know what to focus on. Uh, it's a great sequence. There's uh, a so. shot where the camera starts in the back of the, I can't say Imperial, what, First Order? Mm-hmm. First Order ship. Yeah. And it sweeps past three different people that are all yelling commands because of how uh, intense we've gotten and it sweeps back past all their faces and then lands on the, you know, the window out into space. And that one shot, like there's nothing like that in star Wars up to this point, nothing. And you think of all the prequels and how static and boring they're all shot. And you just see Ryan Johnson going, look what I can do guys. Look what I can do. Well, there's an amazing physicality, uh, tactility you know to this this world of force awakens and last jedi i mean it was extremely obvious that the prequels were all shot on a you know against a blue screen background everything was digital like george lucas believed everything could be done digitally uh and guys when a x-wing fighter flies past a window in this movie you hear the window (laughs) rattle it's incredible like it's it feels like a real world uh, that this yeah. movie that, that X wing was really out there. Dave. <laughs> no, but, but it also, like, yeah, yeah it, it, it sounds like like he thought to put in this <laughs> rattling sound with his window. It happened a few times. I thought it was incredible. Anyway, I think my favorite part of that opening sequence is it's just it's really funny too. It opens up with another Poe Dameron like uh, uh, trolling the bad guys. Yeah, basically. So, I mean it's oh. so Han Solo like uh, yep. who is this crank caller? You know, like <laughs> almost anachronistic in in how. Uh, casual and and um, conversational he is. And a perfect yeah, like way to counteract um, Donald Gleason's like his type of the way he's overacting that role. But yeah, yeah go ahead, Peter. Okay, this is going to be the first of the the complaints <laughs> coming in here. I love that opening sequence. Uh, you know, we can talk about that. 
but I, I really don't like some of the comic comedy moments in this, even though mm-hmm. I was laughing out loud, even though this, I think is probably the funniest, uh, star Wars movie to date. That moment where he's mm-hmm. trolling Hux felt like <clears throat> something I could have saw on like Saturday night live or like, it felt more space like space balls yeah. than it felt like star Wars. And like, even though I was laughing and I was having a good time and I was like, Oh my God, this is so funny. I was Hating myself. Yeah, and the, because... you're hating yourself. Hating. Yeah, <laughs> you I mean, there is that... this tiny voice in the back of my mind that's like, is this really part of the Star Wars universe? You know, this kind of humor. Like, I, I enjoyed it as well, but there is this tiny, yeah. tiny voice that sounds like it's bigger for you, Peter, that was like, is this really part of think, the world? You don't think A New Hope has that, is replete with that? It, with all I don't of the, think, I don't think know, it breaks the. I mean, it's not breaking the fourth wall, but it's kind of almost, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's doing it for like, I don't feel like people would be doing that in this world. I know JJ did a little bit about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, with, with force awakens when Kylo throws this fit and it has that shot of the stormtroopers, like their reaction, like that kind of felt like that, but it didn't bother me as much because it was kind of like just a second or two. This was like minutes of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it feels on. like actual humor. Whereas, like, I don't think Lucas's stuff, like, what was his humor? Jar Jar Binks, right? Like, uh, never New quite Hope has New Hope has a bunch of goofy moments. You know, um, I, I just quoted the one from, you know, the, that bad conversation anyway. Or, uh, you know, I thought uh, I thought they were taller or, or I, I don't know why I can't but, think uh, of Star uh, Wars lines right now. But, <laughs> but like that, that, that felt fit in that in that world, though, like this felt like it was modern. It was too modern or yeah, too modern yeah, yeah, comedy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the other example I want to give you is when uh, Kylo Ren was shirtless. And Ray kind of was like, "Can you put a shirt on?" Like, I don't know. Can you, felt... can you put on a towel? Can you put on a space towel? You know, is what yeah. she asked. She doesn't it, say it space felt... towel, but you know, <laughs> it felt weird. I don't know. Yeah. It's not enough to like. It, these are nitpicks, guys. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm not like, you well, know, this isn't like I hate the film. <laughs> One of the reasons I loved it is that it it constantly was placed in a moment right after an extremely emotional moment, and I felt like it was such. Uh, it was like a maestro conducting a symphony with my emotions. There were things where I was, I was crying because of, of, uh, Carrie Fisher on screen. And then we'd go right to some goofy porg thing thing, or, you know, some silly moment that just completely broke the tension and brought me back into the world. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I, I didn't have a problem with any of that. Uh, back to the opening battle. I do want to say that it had Brian's sensibilities all over it. It was modern, but at the same time, it was shot classically. Yeah, like yeah. like like the way like Steven Spielberg directed Raiders of the Lost Ark, like an action scene in that, and like you have a sense of all the geography and everything is just like so perfectly. Uh, the you know, I know we're making all these comparisons. JJ like likes to shoot. You know, what's the cleverest angle? What's the coolest angle? Ryan in this movie, it was like, what is the best angle to tell the story of this moment? And that the whole way that was shot was just amazing. It, it's a masterclass in filmmaking. Yeah, it is great. And the scene when uh, Paige, the character Paige, uh, releases all the bombs is, is beautiful. I, I just my like jaw when it goes on the silent. Floor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Incredible. amazing! Incredible, Dave. I, I know you have uh, things that bother you. Does it bother you that the bombs fall out of the ship like there's gravity, but there's no gravity? <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, there's there explosions some... in this movie. Too. Maybe there's you know something that, right? propelling them that we didn't see. You know, uh, but there should not be explosions in space, Peter. You know that, right? 
Yeah, no, it, it doesn't bother. This doesn't bother me. I'm just trying to bring up something. What about all the sound? You know, like, do you ever see that movie Gravity? Now, there is a real science fiction movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, lo- love the opening scene. Here's another thing I really loved uh, seeing a ship go through another ship at light speed. Oh, <laughs> I mean, and it, oh so fucking amazing. amazing it's it's yeah. it's like it's like when you're playing with uh star wars ships when you're a kid you're like oh like i'm gonna go warp speed through this other ship and you always wonder what that would what would actually happen this movie shows you what would actually happen you know i mean what would actually happen in the universe obviously these are all fake things but you know it it, it is an incredible moment the audio right everything goes completely uh, silent it, it, it's just like incredible incredible well, breathtaking yeah. visuals and by the way none of it is in the trailer so i was really impressed that like the dreadnought didn't show up in the trailer um snoke's ship didn't show up in the trailer uh so I, that was that was pretty impressive i i i know we're skipping around a lot and, yeah. and we're going to talk about a lot of the th- things we love i, I want to step back and just say on a meta level my my i think maybe my favorite thing about this movie in in how it sits in the overall structure of this trilogy that we're in the middle of and in the Star Wars franchise as a whole is that all of the questions that were raised in The Force Awakens were the wrong questions. Did this, it, th- th- this kind of bothers me, actually. Oh, because I love bothers- it. I love it. It's, the, it's, it's so one, it's a, the perfect kind of swerve. It's not even that the answer you didn't see, see coming, it's you asked the wrong question. It's, you know, yeah. the answer to life, the universe and everything is 42. What's, mm-hmm. what's the question? It's like that, that kind of mind fuck where it's like, oh, you cared about who Snoke is. You don't. It doesn't matter. You cared about who Ray's parents but are. See, this, this seems kind of like, well, the Ray thing we can get into. I'm fine with that. But the Snoke thing seems to me like sloppy storytelling. Mm. Well, there's because, still more they can get into there, right? Uh, even, uh, even if he's dead. There's still well, more to explain. But you're building him up as this like a mysterious character in the first film, and you kind of just kill him off. Like, I don't, I don't know, think just, anybody it, built him up. I think he's in one scene in the last movie. No, that's not no, true. He's, in a he's, bunch. he's like he's like the like the equivalent of the Emperor character. Yeah. How, it, how many it, scenes really, is he in Force Awakens? He's in at least three. Mm-hmm. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for the one, but maybe I'm not remembering. But that. I don't know. It, it just seems like this is the second episode of the TV show, and, and he gets killed, and it's like, wait, why did you put him in the series in the first... Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like it was... He was... Mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's it's wonderfully transgressive. Oh, oh, I think that's the well, thing. Let me say this. Like, yeah. We all, I think, think Kylo Ren is probably going to redeem himself in the third film, right? Probably? Probably. I think where this is headed is that we realize that they are... Uh, they are like you know how you remember when we were all kids in the eighties and we had uh, uh, He Man and Skeletor and they both had one half of the sword and you had to yeah. snap the sword together in yeah. order to unlock the door in Castle Grayskull. I think that's the metaphor here is that uh-huh. Ray and Kylo Ren are two sides of the same thing and they 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 are inextricably linked as is all of life life good mm-hmm. and bad it, it can't exist in a vacuum and that's what bringing balance to the force is all about is is like learning to have those things coexist not wiping one of them out right 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 yeah, yeah. I, I think that's very plausible jeff let's take a step back let's take a step back and think through like the whole the whole sort of overall plot of this movie because guys this week i saw the second film in a star wars trilogy 
in which the main characters we got to know and love from the first film have been scattered all across the galaxy. The good guys are on the run from the bad guys. One of the characters is on a remote planet learning the ways of the Force with an old, skilled Jedi, while another main character is in a situation where everything seems to be going great, only for him to be betrayed to the Empire. It all wraps up with this huge lightsaber duel where a huge revelation occurs, and a daring escape at the last minute allows our heroes to survive. But enough about the Empire Strikes Back, guys. Dave's back, baby. Boom goes the dynamite. Okay, yeah, sorry. but it didn't feel like Empire to me. I mean, you can make those, you can make that extrapolation, and and it's not inaccurate. But the movie is so much more than that. And whereas I felt the Force Awakens just fell into a groove of the of A New Hope. I, uh, I agree. I, I think there's heavy inspiration from The Empire Strikes Back versus you know imitation of The Empire Strikes Back. How about that, guys? Uh, Anyway, can, can we t- can we talk about Leia? Because, mm-hmm. it, it, like Jeff said, every scene that she was in, I you know was emotional, more emotional than it was intended to be. You know, right. my eyes were watering in scenes that, like, you know, it was just like a basic scene with her. Well, yeah. well and, the, the uh, thing that really like ripped my heart out was when Kylo Ren is about to fire yes. on her. And and the music they play Ugh. like the Leia theme in the in the yeah. soundtrack and uh, it, it just is extremely powerful, especially because you know Carrie Fisher has passed away, uh, and I was a little confused as to how they handled the Leia situation. Yep. I thought like that yep. was going to be it, you know that. Well, they had the perfect out, yeah. Right? They had they, the perfect out, and I love. I kind of love the fact that no, this is the story that they wanted to tell, right? right. We're not going to alter it because we literally have a perfect exit for this actress. I don't know what we do in episode nine. I don't know how she's. I think they need to screen. open episode nine with a uh, funeral. Yeah, or yeah, or like she passed away in the in the uh, opening crawl. You know, like think something like that will happen. But oof, that's but, rough. Um, yeah, but I want to talk, sequence, talk about. Way, you were talking about the most emotional moment, and for me, the most emotional moment in this film was when Luke stepped aboard the Millennium Falcon, and he kind of said, "There's nothing that's going to get me to go back." <laughs> right. And R two starts playing the Leia message, and. Yeah. Like that, uh, you know, you know, I know, our, I know I was praising J.J. Abrams, but that is like the exact opposite of what J.J. would like. <laughs> that was, I, I think, using nostalgia in a emotional gut punch of a, you know, in a way that feels yeah. authentic and not contrived and not cheap. It like it came from character like it, it, Yes. And I think there's a few moments like that in this movie where, y- yeah, it's hearkening back. It's using our memory of of those things but not in a cheap way in a in a oh this is a continuation of that story way um but there's like six of those guys what about the fact that we watch her die and i thought oh my god that we just watched carrie fisher who's now really dead her character die and then she fucking comes back to life which carrie real carrie fisher can't do and glides effortlessly to the airlock like I was bawling through that entire That's also sequence. That's the biggest troll drop I've ever seen in a genre movie. Like, God damn you, Ryan Johnson. Really? Well, well not just then. I, I, this is another problem I wanted to bring up to you guys. And I want to hear what you guys think. I'm, I'm sure you're probably on the other side of this. But after I saw this film, it, you know, there's these big, huge moments like that. That huge things happen. They have huge consequences. And then a minute later, the consequences are completely retconned. Mm-hmm. You know, Leia dies. No, she's alive. Uh, you know, uh, Kylo turns on Snoke to join the, the, you know, the good guys. No, he didn't. Uh, you know, Luke dies. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. 
know what I mean? Like it's it's like it almost feels kind of gimmicky in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. well, I have I have big issue with that, but but I I I feel you on a couple of it. I feel you on Luke specifically because like I I, I loved his twist. Because, well, first of all, because in my head I was like, oh, snarky Jeff comment. Oh, he had time to go dye his beard and get a haircut. <laughs> you know, like, but of course that's all explained. Um, but Oh, and by the way, his feet do not move the salt on that planet if you mm, watch. Oh, it's so yeah. brilliant, dude. It's such a brilliant – It's so br- the only problem that I have, by the way, is that Poe Dameron goes, how did he get in here? <laughs> like there's a clue to how to, how to get out because he got in there, which of course Poe wouldn't know not to think, but it's a little convenient anyway. Um, but, but it is but, a situation where, Oh, I have just, uh, thought that Luke pulled off the most badass force move of all time. Right. And then, uh, but he's actually dead. It's like, to well, specifically not do the thing that Kenobi does. And then right. he still does. The and thing he still Kenobi does it. Does. Right. So why? Yeah. Yes, it's me, Jamie Lang from Made in Chelsea, and you have stumbled across the Made in Chelsea podcast. Now, I know I'm a pretty charming guy, all right? And people come up to me and go, hey, Jamie, (laughs) how do you do it? And I tell them, be enthusiastic about meeting people. And most importantly, always be ready to smile. So make sure yours are looking the best with Sensodyne. It's designed to help care for sensitive teeth. The MIC Drop is proudly sponsored by Sensodyne, here for the hashtag sensitive moments on Made in Chelsea. It's a bit of a bummer. Why put it's us through that, you know, kind of thing. And <laughs> and the other thing is, like, we have Mark Hamill and we have, um, uh, you know, we have uh, Harrison Ford and both of them have been killed off. And the one actor we don't actually have anymore is the one that survives. It's so sad. It's right. so sad. Yeah. Let me actually ask you this, because people in my screening in the world premiere – when he kind of faints and then disappears, whatever, uh, on Octu, like they were confused. Like it almost like didn't mm-hmm. register. Like it was, I'm not sure if it was not shot right. Like, I don't know. It just seemed weird. Like it didn't seem like a. It's like a single a, shot that lasts a couple seconds that shows him kind of vanishing out of his clothes, right? But how yeah. badass was it that he looks at two sons again? Yeah. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. Fucking amazing. Cool. So, fucking amazing! So I, uh, I I talked with Peter after he saw the film, uh, after we both saw the film about this very complaint, and uh, you know, Jeff, you were saying you take issue with it. I, I, it it bothered me mildly, but not that much because most of those character turns uh, were motivated by character in some way. Like the reason Kylo Ren does the things he does is is for his own advantage you know it's not like right. he's just like totally aha i switched again you know like he's doing it so that he can maximize his own advantage he so that, sees a moment of opportunity exactly there. exactly so yeah. that makes sense uh the leia dying thing uh, i think there is some value like it's just an incredibly badass powerful moment when she um, presumably uses the power of the force to save her own life, you know, like that's, and then setting herself up to return later in a very effective moment. Like, I, I think that it, it all, it all worked for me. It didn't feel like, Oh, they're just kind of doing this to be manipulative. It's like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. something that could happen. She could die and then be forced to use the force and then come back and then like revive her. Like that's just, it felt, it felt all like organic to me. It didn't feel. That's a tough line to walk because we've never seen that kind of force yeah. power before. And certainly not from Leia. Yeah, so it's true. That's it's all true. part of the big surprise there. Yeah. And, but and somehow I wanna... he pulls off, he somehow he pulls off a couple of moments where like, I've never seen a Jedi stand and get shot by a thousand at, at blasts. Hmm. 
uh, <laughs> and not shrug it off. But in that moment, I was like, I buy it. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> do that. You know, it, it, yeah. was, it was amazing it, that I didn't go, well, this is stupid. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I want to be clear that I, I'm not saying it's gimmicky. Like, I, it's what I'm thinking about. I, I need to see this film again. Like, it's something I've been thinking about since seeing the movie. And it's been like in my mind, like, is it? I don't know. I, I need yeah. to. To, to see it a, a second him, time. Him dropping, like, just brushing off a little bit of dust. Like, come on. That oh is perfect, God. perfect fan <laughs> moment. Yeah. Um, a couple of other of those, like, iconic visual moments. The the moment where Snoke gets sliced in half and we just see the hand come up and grab the, the blue lightsaber oh, horizontal in the so frame. Good. So I good. I fucking, I, like, was smacking my legs in excitement <laughs> when that happened. And uh, the other thing that I just think is completely devoid from the force awakens and not oddly not devoid from the uh the prequels is anything even remotely like that salt planet like Mm -hmm. that the idea just the pure concept of that with just carving red lines in the sand like, like it is a completely new place you know, a completely mm-hmm. a, a place that has but operates in a different way than we've ever seen in the Star Wars universe before. It's like the first time we saw Hoth, you know, it's like, oh, my God, an ice planet. Are you kidding me? How would that work? Oh, this is how it would work. Uh, the, I mean, the, the, the yeah. visuals all around, right? Snoke's lair. That just astounds me every time I see it because it's like something out of Twin Peaks. It is some <laughs> yeah. weird David Lynch nightmare. And he has these like his like support guards. <laughs> You don't really do much uh, until that fateful moment um, initiating that whole fight. But it's that sort of like those design touches that really make me realize that, oh, yeah, this is not just a Star Wars movie. This is a Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. And I also want to say this about the Luke moment. Uh, You know, at first I was kind of like, I'm kind of mad that, uh, you know, I would have liked to see Luke go out there and like see what the power of a real Jedi master, right. you know, against these AT-ATs or whatever they are. You know, they're not AT-ATs, AT-M6s or whatever. Well, I will say um, the real power, yes. Peter, is that he was able to project himself convincingly, you know, across the galaxy or whatever. Yeah. And also, uh, didn't but, but, but not just that. say that he had turned his back on the force? Like he wasn't he wasn't a Jedi master at that point. He like yeah. had, he would he renounced it and was. Not well, he in turned tune it, he, with the Force. He turned his back on the Jedi, didn't he? He still had the Force, right? Or, I don't know, maybe I'm misreading that. But mm-hmm. e- either way, I think when I was talking to Dave uh, about this, he kind of said, uh, you kind of brought up a point that, like, he kind of defeated them by doing nothing. Yeah. And uh, that, to me, that realization uh, of, you know, our heroes in this movie are a very different kind of hero, you know? Yeah, well, that, that this brings... movie, talk, talk about this, Dave, because you have some really good insight on this. Yeah, uh, so there are several messages that I take away from this movie, and I really love what this the messages this movie is trying to send. Me too. Uh, and, I, you know, I tried to find this Twitter thread from a long time ago. I could not find it. I tried Googling. I tried searching Twitter. But basically, like, in the wake of the... Uh, in the aftermath of one of these hurricanes or one of these natural disasters that happened this year, some guy went on this Twitter thread rant that I, I can't find. It is essentially – I'm going to try to capture it, but I'm not going to do a very good job. Essentially that like we live in a society that reveres and elevates heroes, uh, people who do heroic acts, but it does not elevate 
the people who do the work that makes everyone's lives better, like that, in fact, makes everyone's lives better. Um, that you know, making sure uh, floods don't destroy homes, making sure that fires don't kill people, like in you know, in apartment buildings and so on. And so on, it requires boring work, maintaining building codes, passing laws that like help people. Uh, survive and thrive on, on, a, on a very mundane day-to-day level. And society doesn't care about those people. Like society, you don't know any of their names. Like society only knows about, you know, the firefighter who saved the, you know, the guy who saved the rabbit off the side of the road in California or whatever. Like um, the, the firefighter who went in and saved that person from this burning blaze or someone who dove into the waters of this, this flooded area and saved that child and you see the image from that. You know, we only, we, we only have time for these heroic acts. We don't have time for the, for the people that would actually do things that would prevent that act from even being necessary in the first place. And this movie is trying to say in, in a big way that we need people like that. We need those everyday people who are just doing their job and who are trying to survive and keep on keeping on. We need those people for the world to be better. And sometimes we don't need heroes. We just need people uh, to be normal, to be people who, who do what's right. And that's it. My um, favorite line from this movie is uh, he says we, we, sh- we shouldn't, fight against the things we hate we should fight for the things we love exactly mm-hmm. yeah and that's another... that uh, so and so much of that is is woven into the fabric of this film throughout and the lessons are are constant and reiterated uh, i think my least favorite sequence in the movie is when we take a detour into casino town or yeah. whatever it's called yeah uh, yeah, I, I think that is uh, the weakest section of the film. It feels slow. Even the action set piece that happens there, I feel like, isn't particularly satisfying. It's also and, totally inconsequential. Like that whole right. B plot yeah. uh, is negated because for some reason, Laura Dern's character does not communicate her actual plans. <laughs> like, let me tell you something about management, folks. Communicate with your employees and, you know, it'll it'll help you avoid mutinies in the future. So I need to know basis, Devendra. Need to know. <laughs> well, yeah, the same, the same could even be said about that opening action scene that we all love. Yeah, like the it, it, if you think about it, it doesn't make too much sense what Poe is doing, and I don't well, know. It's, and I'm glad they gave him shit for it, but yeah. I it, it's weird how so the whole B, B plots in general, like Poe and Laura Dern's character, and um, uh, what's his face. And Finn and New Girl, which we haven't even mentioned, and she's she's fantastic. Rose uh, uh, Kelly, Rose Tico, yeah, Kelly yeah. Marie Tran. It feels like they just didn't know what to do with him. Like uh, Poe's going to be conflicted with uh, Laura Dern's character uh, with uh, Holdo, and uh, you know it seems like they're fighting just to fight. Whereas if you just said like said what was going on. And he talked like uh, actual people trying to save a small resistance force together. Uh, you know, y- y- you could work better together. That's all. Yeah, but that's, yeah. I think that's the wonderful uh, lesson that you take away from that moment is it wasn't his place to say any of that. He was like this cocksure a-hole who presumed to know way more – like – you right. don't talk to your commanding officer like no, that. That's true. That's true. And it's a statement on sexism too. Like he was truly – he was really going on like a guy who knows better – than right. this like female commander, but put put yourself in his place or put yourself in the role of all the people who don't know what's happening, 
And it looks like your commander is literally leading you to a death chase when she could just say one sentence like, oh, there's a planet over there. We're, we're going to go there. Well, but they have a mole. They know they have they, a mole. Yeah, they have mole. You know, they have mole. They don't want to leak the information. They don't, there's, there's, you know, yeah. There's uh, a wait. reason that they've been tracked through hyperspace. It's never been done before. They don't know who they can trust. It's yeah. a need-to-know situation. This is and probably it's, true, but still, like, your best fighter pilot, like, there, there are certain people who probably do need to know. I don't know. Well, I, 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 do, I loved, I loved like the bad decision. I loved the Laura Dern swerve. I thought that was wonderful red herring. We just assume that she's evil, like the fruits of the devil, and she's not. And I, I just thought that was great. The the other thing, though, the the you know the detour into trying to get the master, yep. uh, what's it, master codebreaker. Yep. Um, I I found that to be. Uh, really the low point of the whole movie. And it's not even that low because of the thing we're talking about, which is it reinforces this wonderful theme uh, about the, the sort of wealth inequality of the star Wars Mm -hmm. universe, which I thought was great. And I love the moment as much as I actually think Benicio del Toro shouldn't be in this movie at all. I hated uh, his stutter. Yeah. I did too. He's I it felt Benicio like such, del Toro basically. He, he was really poorly cast. Poorly when, you say, when you say you hated his stutter, you just mean like it felt over the top. I assume is what you. What yeah. You no, I don't hate stutters in general. Yeah. <laughs> I hated. Just want to clarify. Uh, just want to clarify. Yes. Yeah. It's an affectation that yeah. was unnecessary yeah. and felt yeah. indulgent. But uh, I did love. All, I sort of forgive it all for the moment where he's like paging through the info on the thing and goes, mm-hmm. oh, hey, they sold weapons to both parties. Mm. It's like, yeah, there's a light and the dark, and there's also this thing that enables both, you know? And I just, uh, nothing like that has ever been touched yeah. upon. The in ultimate evil is capitalism. How do we defeat that? <laughs> yeah, there's is, there is a lot of moral complexity to this film that I really appreciate. I agree with you guys, though, that the casino sequence really did not work for me. Um, and it, it did feel like one lesson too many. Like the movie is just yeah, so ambitious yeah. in trying to communicate lessons. To, to return to the point I was making earlier uh, about you know doing nothing, right? And like Luke basically did – he appeared, he distracted them. That was something. But you know he didn't like kill anyone. He didn't take down any AT-ATs or anything like that. Um, he was killing but, time. Uh, I'm sorry, what? He was, he was killing, killing time. time. That's right. That's right. Uh, but uh, like – the thing I kept thinking of was, yeah, if Poe hadn't done this cockamamie plan to, you know, take down the Star Destroyer shields or whatever and, and, and take out the device that would let them track the light speed thing, uh, every time one of those ships at the end was getting shot down, I was like, well, yep. there's another 50 people's deaths that Poe was responsible for kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a situation where not only is being heroic discouraged, it's something that results in horrific losses. Like, if you, if you are heroic, uh, if you try to go against the grain or be a rebel, uh, it actually can actively damage your cause in a really dramatic way. And I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I think we've rarely seen that in the Star Wars franchise. Uh, and so I thought that was I really don't know interesting. If, I don't know if I'd classify it as being heroic that's the problem. It's that he is being impulsive and not circumspect, right? He's, he's jumping in like Han Solo without all of the requisite information and therefore doing something stupid because he wasn't informed. And and I, I, I don't know. I, I interpreted it that way that Mm -hmm. he kind of learned this lesson that you can't just win everything through blind confidence in your own (laughs) 
knowledge base you know like yeah, there are I mean, people that know more than you do it felt to me like the anti-incredibles this movie did you know yeah, where the yeah. incredibles is like there's remarkable people out there and they can they're better than the rest of us and this movie is like no don't be like that be like one of the people that follows orders because that will likely lead to the best outcome yeah, uh, be a team it, player it, it, really yeah be a team it, player exactly yeah and to your point, our protagonist, Ray, you know, we everybody was speculating, you know, who were her parents. And as it turns out, is if we're taking this film at face value, which I think I we are, Kylo says that her parents were nobodies. And, it, you know, I think this is a, you know, this is a message for, you know, I think the previous generation wanted the chosen one. And I think this generation is growing up in, you know, Obama's America, where, you know, a child of a single mother in hawaii could become president right and and i mean that's, you're saying that's that another... the millennials the millennials are stealing our chosen ones Peter, <laughs> is that what you're the millennials <laughs> are killing the chosen ones yeah i think they are <laughs> i think that's I another that. another big message in the movie i want to come back to that of like the the importance of the past but i do want to say one other thing about the uh benicio subplot uh you know i was reading walter chaw's review of this movie at film freak central and he says here, quote, at one point, Finn uh, tells the thief DJ, played by Benicio Del Toro, that DJ is wrong for believing there's no real morality in taking sides. In response, DJ says devastatingly, maybe. It's a shrug. We greet each new effrontery with the same kind of nonchalance approaching nihilism. We are a culture of not surprised. We are beyond the capacity for satire. And so The Last Jedi approaches with its heart in its hand. This is not who we are, it says. This is who we used to be if we care to remember and who we could be if we care to hope, end quote. Uh, How amazing it, is it that a Star Wars movie is about that stuff? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's amazing. And, and yeah, that moment is – it really felt like it commented directly on the culture that we live in today. When he says maybe, you know, he kind of shrugs. And he's like maybe, eh, yeah. eh. It's just like it feels like everything that Star Wars and that people who love decency in this world are fighting against uh, in that moment. And yeah. um, so I wasn't a fan of that, that casino subplot. It felt like it was out of a different movie. It felt very silly. It felt like it was stuffing in another mm -hmm. theme into this movie that already feels overstuffed with themes. But I did love that right. moment. I did love that moment. Anyway, mm -hmm. sorry, go ahead. If you're Ryan Johnson and you're taking chances, some of them are not going to, you know, you're not going to get a grand slam with all of them. And I think I agree with you. The casinos sequence as a whole does not work at all. There's some interesting messages, like, you know, you touched on some of them, but there's even, like, you know, animal cruelty, child labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, just, like, beautiful so worlds much stuff, yeah. Are built at, a, you know, come at a price. Um, right. And actually, also, elsewhere in the film, I know it's done as, like, kind of a joke, but uh, this film kind of, you know, has an argument for vegetarianism, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, no, I, I actually was thinking how many young kids that watch this are going to, actually start asking their parents what this chicken leg is that they're eating, you know, that's, it's a, it's a pretty funny moment, but it's also powerful. Um, but I want to talk about a thing that you said just a moment ago, Peter, about, uh, Ray's parents, uh, which is another one of the moments that I just absolutely loved that flies in the face of everything about star Wars, which is that this family is important. It's this one particular family. And, and but you know, when A New Hope came out, everybody thought they could be Luke Skywalker, right? It was it was this feeling that all you had to do was be a, a kid on a moisture farm staring up at two sons and dreaming. And pairing the pairing what we find out about Ray, which is she's just a nobody who actually can be somebody, 
with the last moment of the movie, which is that kid sweeping and looking up at the stars and waving, I mean, like getting choked up just saying it, mm-hmm. waving around the the broom as a After lightsaber. After force grabbing the broom, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is so beautiful and it so completely recontextualizes the mythos as, yes, anybody can be this. Anybody can uh, uh, be important and special and uh, impactful in their universe. It, it's not you know, people is not reserved for the elite metachlorian owners, you know? <laughs> and I think that that is essential and, and really an important thing for these movies to be, because that's what it was when I was a kid, I dreamed of being Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. And, and that was kind of taken away in the, in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Uh, and you know, related to that point, Jeff is also, th- there's a lot in this movie about, uh, the importance of the past, or the the lack of importance of the past, right? Yeah, kill kill the kill all the olds, right? Basically. Like like yeah. uh, you know, burning down the Jedi Temple, and I, I think that's almost commenting on the film itself too. They're yeah. they're killing off all these legacy characters, and they're going and creating new. Exactly, you know I mean? that's exactly right. I think I think the the storyline is like a meta commentary on the place of Episode Eight in you know the Star mm-hmm. Wars uh, franchise itself. Uh, and that is, we respect the past, we revere the past, but we don't let it dictate the future. And I think uh, th- there's that scene where Yoda calls down a lightning strike and burns the whole Jedi Temple down, <laughs> but or the Jedi tree down. But then at the end of the film, we see that Rey kept those books right in the Millennium Falcon hold. Like they're they're the books are still yeah, there. Luke, they're... Luke put them in there. Luke put them in the Falcon when it, when he went in saw R two was yeah. Right. It's important. It, it, it right, I, but so so I, it's no yeah. longer in this place of reverence, right? Right. But it is something that's we we keep and we hold with us, right? Uh, yeah. So and, poetic and beautiful. Yeah, and I, I like how understated that moment was when um, uh, I think it was Finn that opens that container, right? And you see the books in there, and they don't comment on it. They don't say, "Oh, hey, you brought the books with you." You know, like they don't say anything. It's just right. like a very small moment. Uh, I really. I like also how loved. That was done. Yeah. I loved Yoda in this movie who is back to being a, a puppet and yes. B, uh, like the Yoda of empire strikes back, which is a kind of, uh, a jokester and kind of mean. <laughs> and, you know, like in the prequels, he's just this, ma- it's, it's, you know, another example of how George Lucas doesn't watch his own movies, like doesn't understand them. Like Yoda was this, this master Yoda was this thing that he never was in the, in the actual, you know, in empire strikes back. And I love that Ryan Johnson understands, like, he's this, like, impish little, mischievous little guy. And it, it was so great. That scene was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, again, uh, that's another one of those uh, examples of fan service moment where, like, oh, yeah, Yoda shows up. But it's so much more. It's It actually works in context and it subverts your expectations and all of that stuff. I, I, I love seeing that puppet in Frank Oz doing yeah. that again. That was yeah. awesome. It was just, yeah, it was so lovely to see Yoda as like this kind of, even though he's a ghost, he's this physical creature. Yeah. One of the most compelling parts of this movie is Ryan Johnson did a mini Rashomon in the movie, guys. I mean, he <laughs> did this thing where they tell the same story three different times and it's different each time. Uh, yeah. And I, I just thought that was. Uh, well done fascinating like uh and and heartbreaking in many ways like to see what happens with uh kylo and luke uh and 
you you kind of, I mean I mean I think Luke's version of the story is the canonical one, you know. Uh, yeah. But accurate one. Yeah. yeah, but it is kind of like uh, a, a really. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen anything like that in Star Wars before, right? Uh, well, we haven't seen a flashback uh, properly in Star Wars. That's right. Yeah. So we, we had a Force back in Force Awakens where she touched the lightsaber and had visions. Right. Right. This, yeah. It's breaking breaking all sorts of rules. This movie is. Um, so. Oh, and uh, for the first time ever, we get to see this this force connection between people oh, yeah. where they're talking to each other. I mean, I guess there was force connections in what uh, Return of the Jedi or Empire where like Leia can feel Luke kind of thing. Yeah. But this is like uh, conversations across this is video chat. I thought it was really now we got VoIP. I thought it was really understated and well done how they shot those sequences because they didn't yeah. uh, they didn't use that many like visual effects they just uh he just used the angle the angle you know the uh don't cross the uh what is that line called like the line you don't cross when you have cameras in, in a conversation but yeah. um uh but basically they just they just filmed it and i, I just can imagine him say okay you're going to be talking to the air but trust me, the way we shoot it is it's going to make it seem like you're talking to him directly. Uh, I, I, but it, it completely works in the, in the context of the film. Uh, I thought it was great. And, and, then, and it makes the moments when they use something more than that, like when Kylo appears in her physical space, uh, even more effective. So I, re- I really like that. And a that beautiful movie. swerve to make them seem like they're definitely brother and sister. Like, obviously that's the only time we've ever seen it was Luke and Leia. They're <laughs> definitely twins. They're brother and sister. Who are your parents? Who are your parents? Say it with me. Han and Leia. Nobody's. Yeah. I mean, it's just so badass. It's mm-hmm. so badass. And it's also it, it, so well done that, uh, we believe why Ray basically just volunteers to go to the base, even though she has no plan. Right. I, Actually, What's see, her that, plan that, after that, she arrives? Well, that, Peter, that was, Peter did that, not like that, actually, right? Peter? Yeah, yeah. That, I did not like that because I don't feel like she had enough motivation to make that stupid of a right, decision. Right. But um, apparently I, I have since learned that there was a scene cut where her and Luke kind of have a big, you know, a big argument. And it's uh, would have added to that. But oh, um, yeah, uh, but uh, I, I did want to also note that. um Oh my god, I'm losing what I was going to say. Go on without me. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about uh Mark Hamill a little bit cuz I think he is phenomenal in this movie. And Amazing. uh yeah, and I mean we we had uh, a swerve in the last film with him being sort of above the title uh <laughs> on the poster and only getting, you know, 4 seconds of actual Mark Hamill and, in the movie. No dialogue, right? Yeah. Right. And here we have I I think him in a way that is very different than a Luke that we would expect, but so satisfying and so interesting and, and such a, you know, the one thing that we know about Jedi masters is they all become hermits at some point. (laughs) (laughs) There's only three Kenobi, Yoda and Luke all life is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I, I, I was going to say, I love how this film comments on itself just like force awakens did like you know the war home line is kind of like commenting on uh that film but you know uh, mark hamill in this film saying you know this isn't going to end the way you want it to right like it's totally uh, encapsules you know this film for me yeah it's a meta commentary on the film uh do you guys uh notice that they from my perspective it seemed like they refilmed the final scene of last of, of the force awakens for the opening of this film mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah it's yeah. different yeah. It's, it's slightly different. different. I just thought yeah. that was interesting. Like, that's. I think that's also something we haven't seen in a Star Wars film is them the mo- the next showing moment. the same 
scene, yeah. but shot differently. Like, not even shot differently. Like, what happens in the scene is slightly different than, than mm-hmm. what we see. Yeah. You, uh, you know, I, I just remembered what I was going to say before. Okay, go ahead. I like these little weird moments that are throughout this film, like her falling in the pit with the, the House of Mirrors or whatever that was. And... Uh, Luke milking that uh, creature on Octu. Yeah, yeah it's so weird. Team. So, <laughs> so good. So weird. Yeah. One thing I want to mention to you, like when they're in the Snoke, uh, that whole Snoke sequence when Ray goes, uh, the fight is amazing. The lead up to it and all that. What happens after? Because they both kind of get blown away. I guess Ray wakes up and gets uh, rescued by the Millennium Falcon. That's your chance to end this whole thing. Did you not learn? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like after everything we've seen from uh, from Kylo, I don't know. I would have liked the scene where she kind of uh, hesitated there and was like, Should, "Do I just kill this guy right now?" And yeah, but the lightsaber got thing. snapped in half. You can't kill him without the lightsaber. There, yeah, there are other she, weapons. Uh, I believe uh, there is dialogue explaining that she escaped in Snoke's personal ship, and then I think I think yes, the yes, next yes. time we see her is that she's on the Millennium Falcon. I remember that, but is it's it, yeah. I would have liked that scene because it's like we could just end this right here. This is kind of weird. Well, speaking of unresolved things, like I, I kind of wish we'd gotten a little bit more of a moment with Poe uh, and him kind of realizing the gravity of his dumb actions. You know, yep. I, I know he has that moment with Leia on the ship where he's like, oh, I should follow orders. Like there was that moment, but I, I wish there had just been a little bit more of a reckoning there from my perspective. And speaking of other things that I, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more of, uh, you know, Jeff, you already mentioned this moment, but the moment when um, uh, Rose saves Finn's life and then says, you know, we're not going to win by uh, trying to destroy what we hate. We're going to win by mm-hmm. trying to save what we love. That that was the the most moving mo- – like, you know, out of all the moments in the film, that was the one I was most moved by because I think it has the most relevance to – at least my life and, and this political environment that we live in today is there is so much hatred and cynicism out there yeah. that uh, really trying to save the things we value is uh, a, a better path, the right path uh, compared to trying to destroy what we hate. Um, it's very much an argument for hope. I really love that. I thought it was very moving. Uh, then she kisses Finn and I just was like, you know what? I don't think there was enough there for me to buy that romantic connection. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys felt like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. There's this, this their chemistry leaps off the screen. I, I thought they had great chemistry, but I just didn't think. I thought it was like but a Finn Ray relationship. It, well, it she felt, definitely started out really liking him, so there's that. Yeah, she has a Yeah, I also felt her. like it wasn't this moment where they finally have fallen in love with each other. It was this moment yeah. of her just doing a thing impulsively. That she'd been wanting to do from the moment she saw him, mm, yeah, and and it was like the beginning of them maybe being. It wasn't the consummation of a, a thing that's been teased. It was like the beginning of acknowledging that maybe something could happen. Right, right. Uh, and you know, fair enough, fair enough. It didn't quite work for me, but uh, fair enough. I, I will also say, just as a side note, uh, I, I just admire these films so much for. Just the diversity in the casting, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one in particular, I think. I mean, even just all of the random crew members that we see throughout, it's it just made up of lots of different kinds of faces, which is so cool. Right. Um, Rogue One, too, you know, like, it, they, they're just... Disney has uh, at its disposal the ability to cast basically anyone they want. They know this movie's going to make a billion dollars, and they choose to cast people who uh, aren't 
white males, which is what you know has dominated the Star Wars uh, franchise for you know the first six films, and that's a bold move. One could say that it's actually commercially a good move because the movie will have more global appeal this way, but. I just think it's great that we're seeing so many different kinds of faces on screen, uh, and this movie continues that trend in, in a great mm-hmm. way. So uh, just wanted to put that out there, too. Uh, okay, guys. I think we're getting close to the end of, of our conversation here. Is there, is there anything else you want to bring up uh, about this movie? I, I think you guys already pointed out, right, the very last shot of the movie. Uh, very much an Did homage. you guys like that? Yeah. Did you guys like – I know uh, mm-hmm. Jeff said he loved that last shot. I loved the idea of it with that kid. But it, to me, it registered kind of like a uh, you know, like a, a commercial – like a TV commercial or something. It, <laughs> it didn't uh, – it didn't quite – it wasn't quite executed in the way I think the idea probably Yeah, was. I, I liked mm-hmm. what he was going for and I really uh, love the, the message of of just being inspired, which is something that – the Star Wars series has done for so many people, and and it's. I, I think the movie is saying like, you know, we 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 can still do that. You know, it can still do that, and uh, I love that about it. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, the execute. You know, I, this is actually the second film I've seen this year where it ends with a shot of a child's face, uh, and you're supposed to be reading that this child's face, like there's something really deep going on in there. And for me, I I didn't quite see it. I didn't quite, you know, it didn't quite work for me. Because uh, I just think the child actor that you know that didn't quite work for me, but everything else about it worked. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a slightly different nitpick than yours, Peter. But uh, yeah. anyway, guys, no, no, I, I think a lot of it hangs on that performance of that kid, and I, I yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it, it just didn't wasn't quite there. It was like eighty percent of the way there, but it wasn't quite there. Anyway, um, I would just like to say that I, I I'm surprised that you guys are as uh, lukewarm about this movie as you are I, I felt like it really had everything it had more in it than i could possibly have hoped for thematically just pure thrills i mean there were moments like th- those uh, davinger kind of mentioned the lightsaber battles are awesome I, I, I don't think the lightsaber battles better than that one from force awakens when mm. ray finally gets the lightsaber and like i was you know my th- my arm had like goosebumps and there was water in my eyes and like there was nothing on that level in this movie. I don't think yeah. for, it was, for I mean, it was a better choreographed, but maybe yeah. less meaningful emotionally. Um, like I'm not, like that, the I love the movie. Both, Jeff. The, the mm-hmm. moment where they're both uh, locked in uh, that thing, fighting over the lightsaber mm-hmm. in the center and then it shatters in two like that. Yeah, that was cool. I don't know, it was amazing. And <laughs> there was a moment, I mean, over and over and over again, I like, I kind of couldn't believe that the movie was was continually one upping itself, mm-hmm. and there was a moment, <laughs> the the moment where <laughs> Poe and everybody leaves the cave and gets in the shitty ass like re- recycled broken down ass speeders, and heads out and starts <laughs> carving up the sand yeah. in in big red swaths. I I was like I cannot believe that I've been watching this movie for two hours and we just got to this and <laughs> this it like. This wildly inventive visual thing that's happening where you're just seeing like these this color of blood being smashed across the 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 battlefield and these big wide shots of giant walkers fighting these little like I couldn't believe it. Here we are two hours in and this movie still has this mm-hmm. level of 
surprise, just a flourish like that to show me. And the, the way it used that salt, the red of that salt to sort of be blood and be a scar on the ground and the fight between Kylo and Luke where he's like bending backwards and getting underneath the, the lightsabers <laughs> and, and judoing his way. Uh, and then like that, the, just the door that they've been attacking has like this blood scar underneath it. I was like, we're two hours into this movie and, <laughs> and I'm still being blown away by new things. It, I don't know. It, yeah. This movie blew me away. Don't get me wrong, Jeff. I love this movie and everything you're talking about. I, I really mm-hmm. dig too. I'm just trying to bring a little balance to the force here because yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are things. There are certainly things I could nitpick. And some of it doesn't even feel like nitpicking. I am really annoyed that Finn and uh, our other new character um, were pretty, it felt kind of wasted throughout this film, like with the casino plot. And because that didn't really matter to the overall, you know, movement of the story. Well, right? It because mattered it had a for teaching different... Poe Dameron a lesson. <laughs> but yeah, yes. that's it. Yeah. But that was a I, lot of time it, wasted it, for that. That sequence it, where they get the, where a BB-8 comes out atop that bottom half of uh, ATST, and they like escape on this like broken, exposed uh, chassis of an ATST. I mean, that's awesome. Well, that's well, good. You can have those good things in a shorter sequence. We haven't that's even all. mentioned the yeah. Finn Phasma fight sequence. Yep. Which I thought was pretty, awesome. pretty cool. Pretty cool overall. And that, that's one thing I really appreciated about uh, this movie is whether you liked it or not, whether you liked what the movie did with them or not, it did bring back most of the characters from Force Awakens. It did resolve a lot of those plot lines. And each of them had their own moments that were so... And by the way, I I, want to reiterate, I I did love this movie. I just have a lot of nitpicks. And it might sound like I'm being more negative than I I am. I I, Uh, I really liked it as well, but I do think it's going... My guess is it's going to be pretty polarizing. You know? Uh, My guess... I'm surprised. My, my guess is there will be a lot of people that that don't like it or or don't like it as much as the other films, uh, and that's because it's an ambitious film. It's it's it really wears its heart on its sleeve. It has a ton of things it's trying to say, uh, and that's what I like about it. But I, I don't know that everyone will like that about it. I, I don't know that you know. Um, I, I think it will still be wildly successful, but who knows? Who knows? I, I just don't. You know, know. You know what? makes those rose uh fin scenes even worse is that you're you're going from like these big big epic you know mm. moments and then you cut to that and you're like what's going on i don't even care about this it's lighter <laughs> like you're like get back to you know the 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 you know the a plot i want to see the a plot. right yeah you really did feel like there was like an a b c plot I, I acutely mm. felt like there's an a b c plot in this movie versus you know force awakens when they're all like there's there's one main plot, you know. Yeah, um, I, I think the best think part of the like casino that. sequence is that uh, it gives a, gl- a glimpse at what a Ryan Johnson um, cowboy bebop movie would look like. <laughs> like that's, that's basically it. He's having fun with that playground. I did think what, it was cool that they like invented all these new like space casino games yep, for the casino. Yep. <laughs> you know, they didn't just yeah. use regular uh, ones that we might recognize, but yeah. Uh, Jeff, what, what did I'm you sorry, guys think you. of the uh, oh. Porgs? Because uh, you oh, know, yeah, a lot we're of people talk about were like afraid that they could be the new Ewoks or whatever. <laughs> I thought they were cute. I thought they were just enough comic relief in them, you know. Yeah. I'm, fine. I'm glad we saw uh, Chewie eating them. I was very happy about that. <laughs> well, no, he, <laughs> that he starts to eat them. He starts eat to eat them, them and then never never does. Oh, uh, yeah, he definitely killed one and roasted one. Uh, they're great, but they're also, like, kind of terrifying. If, if I woke up and one of those things was next to me, their teeth are horrifying, guys. <laughs> you know, uh, Scott Tobias and Tasha Robinson uh, had this amazing... Twitter argument 
on uh, on uh, about the porgs today. Mm-hmm. There, there's and I am org- on Tasha's side. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, the uh, Scott Tobias says two porg servations. Uh, the por- number one, the porgs are not por- product placement, but creatures of mischief like gremlins. Two, the decision to replace Han Solo with porgs is brilliant. Instead of having a human who can understand or interpret Chewbacca, we get two beings of comic inarticulateness. Um, so that, yeah, and I, I just I never thought of the of Porgs as replacing Han Solo, but that's correct. Like they are now Chewbacca's foil, or at least they were in this oh, film. Oh man, right? <laughs> like because Chewbacca would not really work as character without Porgs, yeah. right? Because Finn is, is going to be his real foil, I think, down the line. What would you say? I think Finn is going to be oh, his Finn. real foil. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. perhaps they, they've definitely like butted heads before. But yeah, um, I, I, I just when when Scott Tobias said replacing Han Solo, I was like, "Are you insane?" But then the more I thought about it, I was like, "Wait, yeah, maybe that's that's that is their function in this movie." Uh, but Ta- Tasha's point was just that they are clearly product placement meant to sell toys and stuffed animals, mm-hmm. and they they have no other function in this movie other than that. <laughs> I don't think that's fine. true. No. They're they're fun and they're comic they're comic relief. relief. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they I don't feel like they were shoehorned in. They're 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 a tiny little spice that only <laughs> exists in a few moments, and it doesn't intrude into the rest of the movie. And it's I don't know. I think it's I like how the movie it. leaves it open because they kind of just invade the Millennium Falcon. Uh, I think they're yeah. parasites, and they deserve to be eradicated. <laughs> they're tribbles. <laughs> they're tribbles. Exactly. Uh, I have a question for you, Peter, specifically. Um, Shoot. Why do you hate this movie? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I hate this movie. I, I, I'm just kidding. Um, as somebody who spends an inordinate amount of your lifetime <laughs> speculating about Star Wars, uh, I think if I had asked you going into this movie how many of the big questions it would answer, you probably would have said close to zero of them, that it would have left the big answers for the third film, right? Um, and yeah. I think we get we – get, and as I said early on in our review, my one of my favorite things is that it's not even that it answers the questions; it's that it presents the questions as being the wrong questions. So I'm I'm curious. It feels like you don't really love that, but I'm curious a how you feel about that, and b what you think. It felt like the roadmap for an episode nine was clear in episode seven, and very much unclear after episode eight, which I think is, from oh, yeah. my perspective, exciting. But I wonder from your perspective, I. I mean, I guess it will be exciting coming out of this movie. I wasn't like excited to see episode nine. Like I was excited to see episode eight and maybe that's because there's no cliffhanger and there's no questions anymore. But, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, I I mentioned in the non-spoiler talk that I I had assumed that the third film in this trilogy was going to be Kylo redeeming himself by, you know, killing Snoke. And now that you've removed Snoke from this equation, (laughs) uh, I don't know what that third act of this trilogy can be. And, you know, isn't that better? Isn't yeah, it better that's exciting. To like, like, not, we know it's not, not going to be a return map? of the Jedi analog, no, but, right? Okay, yeah. but here's, here's the thing. Like, um, yes and no. Well, first of all, let me mention that Kylo is now the, the only Skywalker that we know of in this galaxy. So if he dies in the next film, there's no Skywalkers. Well, uh, other than other weird. than Leia, I mean, I mean, here's a question: Well, Leia is going to be dead. Is but. there? But yeah. is I, I mean, this is actually a genuine question. Like, you know, they cut apparently. Uh, I, I think uh, Ryan Johnson's first cut of this film was three hours long. So yeah. presumably, some of that footage has Carrie Fisher in it. Like, isn't it possible that there could be some Carrie Fisher mini plot in the in Episode Nine? 
I mean, I guess it's possible. I'm just I'm putting so that. I'm just putting that out there because you're so unequivocal about him being the last Skywalker. I just want to say, like, I don't. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we don't it know that seems, for 100. percent Okay. It seems as if there were big plans for uh, General Organa. Yeah. You know, it yeah. seems as if they clearly kept her alive. Well, Mark Hamill said that. The the first film was supposed to be Han's film. The second film was supposed to be Luke's film. Mm. And the third film was going to be Leia's film. Well, it mm. seemed to me that the, the clear setup, which is so tragically impossible now, the clear setup from Kylo being unable to shoot at his mother is that that's the showdown. It's not – because here's the, here's the thing where it has been flipped on its head, right? The The – the original trilogy is about Luke being tempted by the dark side and overcoming that. This trilogy seems to be about Kylo being tempted by the light side and overcoming that. And mm-hmm. so when you get the final showdown, which would be against an Emperor Palpatine and Luke, the the analog there is the ultimate light, which is Leia, his mother, rede- you know, and him trying to... Or Ray, I think Ray is definitely that position now. So well, I, I know, but I feel like the, I don't know. It's, it seemed to me like the setup is he, the one person he is unable to stand up to is his own mother. He he can't fire in that moment, right? Right. And yeah. now they can't go there. They can't do that. And uh, I think that's a real shame if that indeed is where they were headed. And it seems to me like at least something like okay. that. Like there had to be some moment where he met her for it to make sense to me if like if they made that moment where he couldn't meet you know right. he couldn't pull yeah. the trigger right there had they had to like want to pay that off in some way at some point. right yeah. yeah right well let me say this yes it's exciting that we don't know where it's going but the thing that worries me or the thing that like uh bothers me about this is it almost seems like a TV series that you're getting into season three of the TV series and like they've kind of answered all the question whatever and now they're like where are you going to go? Like, it didn't seem like they planned this third act. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I want the, as a trilogy to it to feel whole. And it it almost feels whole with these two movies. And I don't know what this third, like, it doesn't feel like they, they could do anything in this third movie that will hugely connect to the the beginning of it. Does that make sense? Well, that's why I think that the un, the unaddressed thread is is Ray and his mom. Yeah. And 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 I I. You make a good I feel, point. I feel like that is is gone now, and it's it's tragic. But like, wh- I don't know. I don't know you where said, they you said clearly Ray they and his did. Mom? You said Ray. And did his I say mom? Ray? I meant yeah. sorry. I meant Kylo yeah. and his mom. Um, uh, sorry, I misspoke. But I I think it's clear. I mean, I think it's clear that they had some plan of what the three movies would be. So um, I don't think your worry that they're just making up as they go is valid. I mean, I, think- I, I actually. I don't know how much I can say about this, but I, I've talked to some people pretty high up there, and it seems to me that it's kind of planned like, you know, a filmmaker comes in and does whatever they want. Yeah, that was what I was going to say that I think is is pretty great. Uh, well, well, which is it's I, great I think you're and exagger- not great. I think you're exaggerating. I mean, you know, Variety had a negative review. Well, obviously, film. they don't do whatever they want because Colin Trevorrow is not doing episode nine, and there was obviously some clashes yeah. Uh, with what he wanted to do and what v- Lucas Variety wanted. had a very negative review of the of uh, of the Last Jedi, which I won't, uh, which I don't agree with. But he they did say this: 
The Last Jedi meets a relatively high standard for franchise filmmaking, uh, but Johnson's effort is ultimately a disappointment. If anything, it demonstrates just how effective supervising producer Kathleen Kennedy and the forces that oversee this now Disney-owned property are at at molding their individual director's visions into supporting a unified corporate aesthetic, a process that chewed up and spat out helmers such as Colin Trevorrow, Gareth Edwards, Phil Lord, and Chris Miller. But Johnston was either strong enough or weak enough to adapt to such pressures, and the result Oof. is the longest and least essential chapter in the series. So that, that's a negative review. I don't, uh, I don't agree with it, but I did, I did think it was like, yeah, he's either strong enough or weak enough. I, I mean, I think, I think it is one of those things because this is clearly a challenging process for directors, right? Uh, and I, you know, I would like to think he's either strong enough or he fits in exactly right into what they're looking for. Um, but it does. On the one hand, it's like, wow, I do feel like Ryan Johnson was able to make, you know, his own version of a Star Wars film. I do feel like this is distinctly Ryan Johnson in many ways. Um, and I think there's it, many it, things in this film that Disney would want would not dictate. Like, you know, they're exploring the Jedi, one of their big biggest brands, having you know one of the protagonists of the series saying they must end that they're bad. Kind of like, you know, right. I, I almost envision like this parallel to the Catholic Church. That you know the faith isn't bad, but you know, but the institution, this kind of religion, the institution yes. is bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, on the one hand, yeah, like it's true. The, they're, they're, the movie takes some some big chances, and and I like that. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, it, it is a it is a process that has uh, eliminated a wide variety, not just like one type of filmmaker, like a wide variety of filmmakers. And uh, and it is something you know. I want it to be something like what you said, Peter. I want it to be like Mission Impossible series, where like uh, a new director comes in and they put their unique stamp on it. It's like a completely different movie every time. I just don't think we're gonna get that. This movie seems to indicate that maybe we could, but based on everything well, that's happening around this franchise, it doesn't feel possible. What I think that think? was the plan with the Star Wars standalone films, but this to me, I thought was gonna be a you know a trilogy. It was gonna be a single storyline told over three films. And I don't know. I'm, I'm worried it isn't, but yeah. I'm worried that at the end of the day, it's going to feel like, you know, a, a TV show that had, you know, three showrunners over three seasons. Mm. Well, we have recorded these comments. We'll play them back in two years when star Wars episode nine debuts and see how right we were. But, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's crazy to think that they're like, we're going to make a trilogy. And then like, I wrote my movie. Good luck to everybody else. I think that's <laughs> I think it's insane to think that that's how it went down. But maybe I'm just naive. Uh, and Ryan Johnson, when I talked to him, you know, last week claims that Disney greenlight his greenlit his trilogy, his new Star Wars trilogy without him saying a single thing about the story. <laughs> well, that's that, a lot that, of confidence that, in a guy. That's what that, that is. That is insane. Does he have a story? Did he say he has a story? No, he doesn't have a story yet. Great. That's great. Well, <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Peter Serretta, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week? I love Star Wars, guys. I, I really do. You can find me at SlashFilm.com, <laughs> and you can find uh, the new podcast at daily.slashfilm.com or on iTunes or your popular uh, whatever popular podcast app you, you use. How about you, Jeff Kanata? 
I would just like to point out that the two guys that didn't watch any trailers really loved the movie. And uh, I'm just kidding. I'm totally, I'm just trolling you guys. I'm just trolling. Um, uh, you can follow, everybody's will not be following me on Twitter now because I said an awful thing. But you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I have lots of shows for you to check out. You can find links to them on my Twitter. But um, there is one new one that just debuted on Hulu, the first two episodes. Oh, it's it's of, live now on Hulu? I can go watch it? As as of this recording, two episodes are live. Um, first two episodes of Defining Moments, my uh, my Hulu show that I host uh, about cool moments in esports. So um, video game competitive esports moments from history. Uh, it's kind of like ESPN's 30 for 30, but with esports. Um, give it a give it a shot. It's on Hulu, exclusive to Hulu. It's called Defining Moments. Super cool, Jeff. I'm looking forward to checking that out. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra and write about tech and gadget.com. Find all my stuff at DaveChen.net. I'm on Twitter at Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen SKY. I wrote an article for Slash Film recently about whether it was worth it to avoid all the trailers for The Last Jedi. Uh, and next week. Gentlemen, next week we're going to be talking about Steven Spielberg's newest film, The Post. Uh, so actually, this episode is released early. The episode you're listening to right now is, is coming out early just so we can you know, get, get this episode out for Last Jedi Watchers. Um, so next week there's not going to be an episode. Uh, and then the week following is going to be The Post. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back. We're out. Watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, slide bad, it's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about.